Welcome to the Vented Media Podcast. I'm Ben. That's Dylan. Oh, How's sorry. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I don't even care. Like, I mean, just as long as both of us get our names on there, that's all I care about. Heck yeah. Anyways, but, wasn't here last week. Wasn't feeling great, but I'm back. I'm at it again. Dude, and I'm glad you're here. Yeah, no, it's it's good to be back. Sometimes you just gotta kick yourself off the couch and be like, just just get over yourself. But um, yeah. So what's been going on the past week for you? You know, uh, just getting done with finals, getting done with how everything is starting to, to wrap down and all my classes this semester, but no, dude, it's been, it's been a good week. It's been fun. It's been exciting. Uh, I've just been working on personal little projects. Um, but no, dude, it, it was a good week. Uh, not too crazy, but not too boring. So yeah, good. Good to hear it. Yeah. Ne- next yeah. week is going to be a, a busier week for me. I'm actually traveling to Arizona. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I have a, a wedding that I'm going to take photos for down there. And so, uh, but I'll probably still, you know, bring the, I actually figured out something. So I just got my new microphone, obviously, the, the DDD3 Pro. But I have this little adapter piece that can plug into my um oh what is it it can plug into the headphone port of my tablet okay um and then i can connect the ddd3 pro in one side of it and then i can connect actual headphones to the other side of it as a a bit of like a pro splitter i guess right right um for on the go stuff and to make it more compact, I can actually, re- I'll be able to record on my tablet. So oh, nice. instead, of, instead of me having, like, I'll still probably bring my laptop, but you know, if I need to, now I can actually just say, okay, I need to set up. We can do like a small mini mm-hmm. podcast again, uh, just cause I'll probably be really busy cause I'll, I'm leaving right. Thursday and then I will be coming back on Sunday. So dang. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a a busy weekend, but you know I, the podcast must go on. Heck yeah! How how long is the drive to Arizona? Oh, uh, so I'm actually being flown down there. Oh wow, are they paying for that? Yep. Dang, they must yep. uh, really want your services. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It it's exciting. It's it's always fun getting to travel for what you love to do. So, mm-hmm. but man, it it will be it'll be busy. I'm gonna try. I'm mainly getting paid for for photos, mm-hmm. but um, the thing is, is that I'll also try because I have my B cam. Uh, right. I may actually just clip it onto the top, and throughout the day, I may get little video snippets, and at the very end of it, just say, "Hey, I also got these little videos. Here's this," because it is a good friend of mine that's getting mm-hmm. married. Yeah, and so just kind of like a fun little, you know, dude, congratulations. Here's a small little video. Also, he can put that in more people can see it. So it's kind of like not self-advertising, but right. it is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Very nice, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. Wish you luck on that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What about you? What did you do this week? Uh, you know, just stressing about finals, uh, homework, and um, contemplating existence. <laughs> you know, it's been yeah. a little bit of a rougher week for me, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, yeah. but you know what? That's okay. Um, 
Uh, it's just, you know. I don't know. Uh, I guess we can start this topic now. Um, but, you know, for me, uh, I I struggle a lot with school, right? I'm, I've never been the best student. I've, um, yeah, I just... I'm not, I'm not great with the whole school thing, right? And we've been trying a whole bunch of different things uh, to help me kind of push through until the end of the semester. And mm-hmm. within this last little bit, I've, I've just crashed, right? And um, uh, when, when this crash comes, it can come with, you know, a lot of, like, depression, anxiety, and just lots and lots of feeling down on yourself. And one of the things that's kind of scared me about that is well, when I get depressed, I start losing my passion. Right. And all the things that excite me and are the uh, reasons I love doing what they do, they just stop exciting me. And that can be scary. And I know for a lot of artistic people, that is something that I am not alone in experiencing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, no, re- real quick, I just want to talk about a couple of things that uh, I do and have found ways to help, um, not necessarily overcoming, because for a lot of people, uh, this could be a lifelong battle, right? Um, and no one's going to be happy forever, right? Right, right. But no one's also going to be unhappy forever, unless you let yourself, and, and I'll kind of get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so some of the things I, I kind of do to help get out of this rut is to just first off, go and do something, accomplish anything. Right. Um, right. I had a, I had a trumpet uh, professor when I was back when I was a music major. And one of his bits of advice to me when I was in a little bit of a writer's block, um, I was talking about how I wanted to write music, but I just couldn't uh, figure out where what I wanted to do. Right. What What he said to me has kind of stuck with me for a, a long while. Um, he asked me what I was doing with my life, right? I was like, well, you know, outside of school, I'm just, you know, I stay home and I play Smash Bros on the GameCube with my roommates, Right. And I and I don't really do much outside of that. And he told me, you know, that's why you're having writer's block right now, Mm -hmm. because you're not actually living life. You're not experiencing anything. Right. Right. Um, Right. And so what he recommended me to do was to go on a hike. And I did. And I remember the very next day I sat down at the piano and I was able to write my little heart away. Right. And. It wasn't necessarily about the hike, right? Um, but just getting out and, and accomplishing something helps so much. Um, the other day, one of the things I did to help myself is I did a little live stream on Twitch. Dylan, you, you were there with a couple of other friends from our class. And I was like, you know what? I want to model a dragon today. And so right. that's what I did. Um and uh, I'm not going to screen share it right now, but um, if you're watching the video, I'll probably add some of me like kind of messing with it in post. But uh, it, it was 
it was a really kind of fun experience um, and a fun little get-together method uh, where we had a couple of friends in class and we just all joined together. We had fun talking. I was getting something done. So that, that that's kind of tip one. Get something done. Doesn't matter what it is, whether big or small, the fact that you accomplished something will boost your mood. At least for me, that that is what I've I've noticed. Um, yeah, for sure. No, I I agree. Like, I mean, that's the I think that's a great first tip. Um, I I'm kind of always been one of those people because you know for a while there when I was younger, I used to struggle with, you know like seasonal depression, you yeah. know, because I, I'm from Idaho. Uh, if some of you who are listening, they don't know. Um, I'm from Idaho and Idaho, we get, lo- you know, anyone who is living in the Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere in certain parts, you know, s- for me being a photographer. You, you just covered both halves of the globe there, mate. Yeah, I know. I did. <laughs> I did. There's only like that small little itty bitty section where like people are like, well, we don't really have to deal with that, you know, but, but no, like, you know, you, you start to lose light at like four thirty, And for me being a photographer, you know, that cuts down on shoots. It cuts down on being able to get done with work and just going out and just even having a walk right. because one it, with it getting darker, it gets colder sooner. And in Idaho, we get some really freezing cold winters. Yes, and sir. so, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it can be a little bit tougher but getting something done, whether it's writing something down or, you know, like what you did on Twitch, that that is a great thing to do because the more you do something, the more you're like, I can do this more. Mm-hmm. And it, you're going to it's almost like a high where you're like, oh, wow, like now I can take and say, look at me, look at like I'm actually able to do something and not like right. telling others look at you. It's you looking at yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's. It's one, a method of kind of proving to yourself that you're still capable of doing something. And when that's most important is when you think that you're incapable of doing anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and and those moments when you're really down on yourself, that's when it's most important. Um, yeah. But like you said, with Idaho, with, uh, with kind of earlier nights, long winters, freezing temperatures, um, I know that's been a problem uh, for a lot of people, kind of the situational seasonal depression um, where maybe, you know, things are mostly fine, but this pandemic has got you down, whether that is um, uh, from the quarantine, from job loss, uh, from not being able to interact with your friends as often as possible. Um, right. So for, for me, for example, I lost two jobs. I had two jobs going into the pandemic. Um, and I got married, uh, March 18th, right as everything was starting to close down in the U S right. So, and I remember I was at work, um, at, at my catering job, uh, as we were getting more news and more news about like, okay, um, gatherings are limited to 10 people. Uh, now there's like this restriction and this restriction. People aren't allowed to travel anymore. Um, right. And we're going into our wedding like, oh my goodness, this is weird. 
right? Right. Like, what what right. a weird situation. And we ended up, we were able to get married uh, in the temple, which, you know, for our religion, it, it's what matters most to us. And so we were really happy about that. Um, but I come back and I don't have any job, right? Both the jobs that I had, I had lost. Um, because they just closed down. There wasn't anything to do in them. And so I was left sitting at home as a newlywed with my wife working as a CNA, just working her butt off every day. And here I am as a newlywed with nothing to do, right? No way to contribute to the household. Nothing, right? Right, right. And I mean, combine that with like, I can't even go out and see friends at that time. It was just bad. And I know a lot of people have also been in very similar situations. And as kind of things are re-amping up, um, you kind of see a lot of cases re-rise and a lot of people are, um, a lot of states are like redoing their restrictions and whatnot. It might be mm-hmm. coming back around for a lot of people. Um, but... Um, I think it was one of my wife's teachers uh, that said, just be, it was really cheesy, right? Um, Like, she was using the term physical distancing instead of social distancing, right? Um, Right. And and finding friends and and seeking out the people um, who are important to you, who... uh, who matter to you, um, that, that's going to be probably my second tip is look for the people who you care about, right? And just get on the phone with them, right? Talk Mm -hmm. to someone. Um, it's, it's incredible what just having a little bit of light from someone else can do in your life. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, you don't have to go to them and you don't have to be like, oh, this is everything that's going on. Like, woe is me. Um, you can, right? If, if that's what helps, it's what helps, right? But it could just be a simple conversation. And chances are, right, it's going to brighten someone else's day too. You know? Yes. Um, so so that's that's tip two. Talk to someone. Um, get, get some kind of, like, interaction in you because secluding yourself when you're down is just not going to do anything good for you. It it really not. isn't. Um, and probably my uh, final piece of advice for people who may be struggling um, creatively during this time, right? Um, you know, ties very well into uh, like just get something done, just create, right? Um, my dad was a very, very, very kind of like, he's a military guy, right? Uh, so I grew up an army brat moving all over the place. Um, he was in the uh, CID for a while. I mean, did some intense stuff like, uh, uh, like he investigated the crime scene of the Pentagon after 9-11, right? Basically wow. taking body parts and being like, oh, I think this arm goes to this guy, right? Um and because of that, he had a little bit of a tough love approach, which as a child, sometimes I didn't quite agree with. Um, 
Correct. Yeah, but I understand the, that. But there were moments. Uh, there, there are moments I remember to this day that I think to myself, "Wow, I'm glad he pushed me." Right. Uh, one of the biggest examples uh, I'll point to is we went on this kind of high adventure trip. It was after my senior year of high school, and we went out to Colorado with a bunch of the uh, Boy Scouts, and we uh, just had this camping trip, which involved whitewater rafting, rock climbing. Um, now, me, I'm, I'm not a huge adventurous guy, right? I, I like to feel stable with two feet on the ground. I hate heights hate them. My dad's like, you're going to go rock climbing with us. No, I wasn't. Yes, you are. Right. Right. And he pushed me to do it. And I did not get to the top. Right. But I did start. Right. And even starting was, it overcame that mental barrier of no, you can't. Right. And once you overcome, I really do think in a lot of cases, the biggest thing keeping us from doing what we want to do, whether that's, um, uh, I mean, anything really, the biggest thing keeping us from what we want to do is this mental barrier saying, no, you can't. And I think that getting over that is the hardest part of accomplishing anything, right? Yes. And so putting your energy into overcoming that barrier of no, you can't just by doing something to show you that you can, right? That's um, for, for me at least. And I, I hope for others that's uh, been such a key into just kind of keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's kind of like the way that I, I'm thinking about how like, creating right now is like this past week for our class and we're going to show those videos Mm -hmm. um but for class we had a two-hour video challenge uh, or a a two-hour video festival a competition whatever whatever you call it and you know i think sometimes we we get into huge ideas especially as like filmmakers or anyone who creates you think like oh it has to be this huge big grand project and i was thinking like oh man i'm gonna do this i i should do this but it's like oh i don't have the time i don't have the time i don't have the time but just making something like when we start showing these videos um i think it'll be very interesting to see what we came up with in those two hours Mm -hmm. and I, i have a fun backstory to mine a little bit but you know it that just creating that one thing this small i think it was like 37 seconds grand total yeah um it made a difference in how i wanted to create something right and so you know i i love your tips i love your one start start something, you know, start to get out of the, the rut, push through it, you know, step two, talk to someone, talk to you, like you and me, mm-hmm. this is a great, we were talking before this, you know, this is a great opportunity for the two of us because we, it allows us to one, find someone that is close in our interest, but then also allows us to be able to say, oh, wow, like we're kind of going through the same struggles or whatever it may be, but it's really helped both of us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then your third one is just start creating. Yeah. You know, like just get over that wall of no, you can't. Exactly. No, I, I think these are great, great tips on how to get out of our, our depressional states yeah because it's it's kind of like it is a state you you move from state to state at one moment you're going to be happy one moment you're going to become sad and that can be a a burden at times especially depending on who you are if you're an extrovert you know you always wonder will i be able to get out of this state Mm -hmm. and so no i love your tips i love i love how you you really made it simple and you you spoke in a way that i feel like everyone who's creative or even not creative and just wants to get out of their, their shell of, Oh, I can't do this. Right. I think these are great tips on what you can do to get out of it. Thanks man. Yeah, of course. Did you want to share your, uh, little film festival thing? Sure. Yes. Actually I was just pulling it up. Um, so, so a little backstory as we're pulling these up. So it was our final, project for um our class not even project it was our final class in general because we were done with the semester we finished it this week and so our teacher he he's like all right so one of my favorite things to do at the end of the semester just to test people on what they've learned is having a small film festival competition where in two hours that's all the time you get you have to uh think of the idea film it edit it color correct it find music and sounds if you need it and post it and if you don't get in on that by a certain time you don't either get extra credit or there's a voting system your classmates would vote for you Mm -hmm. so it was a very very fun project very fast yeah uh especially if like you know kind of going back to what i was saying like i didn't know what i was gonna do i don't think any of us knew what we were gonna do we were just like uh and I, fa- I thought it was funny that uh, there was a big horror theme for, like, watching them. I'm like, I think there's four four horror videos <laughs> in some ways. Like, what is our class teaching us? Oh, how to man. make horror films? But, but no, that is that is what I learned. And, or I learned from this, this experience of, okay, you got to be creative, got to be fast, and mm-hmm. putting it out there. So I have mine up. Hopefully it will play. Yeah. Uh, you should have the screen sharing enabled. Okay. Let's see. Screen share. And then I need to go to... Bottom left should be where the sound option is. Share computer sound. I'm looking for the the files where I can advanced let's see i don't know why it's not showing me the the option to share the video you may uh let's see let's just try i don't know if this will work um now you're seeing can you see that yep i can see your screen can you still see the send it uh nope um something came up but it's kind of gray okay okay um that is so weird. Screen sharing is paused. Stop share. Um, instead of uh, when you hit screen share, instead of selecting a certain um, like folder or certain uh, tab, just open, uh, just share your screen at first. 
Okay. And that should do it. Okay, let me come. Oh, that's OBS. That's not what I want. I want the Zoom meeting. Maybe. What is going? Okay, let me close out a few things. Okay, I can see you. So, screen share. Screen share. Okay, now you're seeing OBS and everything. Okay, can you see this? Yep. Yep, I can see that. Perfect. Let's hopefully it you'll can you hear the sound? Yep. And just like that, that was my, that was my video. Nice. And so not, not very hard, but the funny thing about my, my video is that, uh, my new microphone I've talked about a few times, mm -hmm. uh, but it's the first microphone I've ever had that I've had to turn on, uh, after yeah. I plug it in. So I plug into my camera, I record what I need to record. And then I go downstairs to start editing it. And I realized I had no sound, not even like the on, oh, the no. on camera sound. Well, I'm freaking out because I also didn't like, I know he said the two hour film challenge, but for some reason in my <laughs> mind, I was thinking like, oh, I have only until the end of class and right. our class ends at two fifteen. Well, I looked down at my watch and I see that it is one So I'm thinking I only have 30 minutes left. So I run through my house quickly trying to like re-record. I re-record as fast as I possibly can, run downstairs, quickly edit it. I find music uh, and a sound effect to make it, you know, be a little bit more easy to understand because you can't time a, a phone ding. Um, right. But, you know, I get downstairs, edit it, color grade it, come back and... Uh, and I upload it and I upload it at 2.15 on the dot. Like, and I'm like, whoo, I made it. I, I, I barely did it. Mm -hmm. I get back onto the Zoom call with the teacher and he goes, oh, you have any questions? I'm like, no, I'm done. And he goes, wow, that was quick. I'm like, well, wasn't it supposed <laughs> to be done? And he's like, no, it, it's not supposed to be done until like three. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, yep. But, you know, that was my video. Nothing crazy, nothing big, but, you know, that was what it was. No, it, it was good. It, it was funny, you know. It it had this nice little, you know, subvert of expectations. You know, it, it was good. I, I liked it. Uh, you, you told a nice little story in the in the time. And, um, yeah, no, and, and it was, you know, uh, were you using, like, a lens with autofocus on that? Uh for a portion of it, I did. Uh, the one where my face was, uh, like the uh, the breathing heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, I I used it, but then for the rest of it, I set it to manual. Uh, oh, okay. just for the fact that I didn't want it to be like jumping focus, so I kind of like focused on the area where I thought I would be at. Um, right, and then. Uh, also like with the one phone, like trying to spin to it, basically I focused where I wanted it to be, uh, mm -hmm. 
and then I just pulled the camera away and then I reversed it in in post. Oh, gotcha. So, nice. yeah, it just made the process a little bit simpler. And I think it's important for everyone to learn how to manual focus just for the fact of right. you never know what applications you're going to to need to use it. Yeah. And, you know, it um, good on you because pulling manual focus on your on yourself is difficult. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good, good on you. I don't have the stones to do that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's definitely, it takes practice and you have to quickly go back and look and see like, was it in focus? It looks pretty in focus. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice job, man. Yeah. So, uh, with mine, um, I ran into a couple of problems. Uh, one of them was my wife was still in class, right? And I, really wanted to use her as a subject. And so that was kind of the first thing I learned is like, don't get hung up on a certain idea, mm -hmm. right? Because getting hung up on that idea kind of like squandered my, um, squandered my ability to kind of look outside the box because I was so focused on what I wanted to do. Right. 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 Um, and that limited kind of my, my thinking. Uh, so she was in class um, and she was painting while she was in class. And so what I decided to do was I would just film her and her process of painting, right. And try and kind of create a little, um, sequence of that. And what I, uh, and then what happened is I didn't actually get to turn this in, right. Cause I too was done by two fifteen, Um, but my Wi-Fi is total crap. Right. Right. And so I uploaded at 2.15 and it's processing. And if you try and post it into our uh, Canvas discussion board before it's fully processed, you're just going to get a broken link. Yeah. Right. right. And so I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for it to process. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Three o'clock hits and it's not done. And so I'm like, all right, whatever. And I just kind of like step back from it, say whatever. Because um, it was an extra credit right. point. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I don't worry about it. But uh, here is, I should probably share my screen first, actually. Um, share computer sound. Here is this. This is also the first time I used the uh, my Nikon lenses for video. And so it was kind of experimenting with these Nikon Prime lenses. And I don't know, I was pretty happy with some of the shots I got. And, you know, that's all I was able to get because um, uh, just because of the time constraint and, you know, the wife constraint of her being in class and all that. Correct. But, yeah. You know what? It helped me learn my lenses a little better. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was just kind of happy to get the opportunity to mess with them. Yeah. No. And I really like the one thing, like I know we say that gear doesn't matter uh, because it doesn't. Uh, but the one thing that I really do like, because I used an F one four 
lens as well. Mm-hmm. And my guess is you use your 50 f1.4. Yeah. I switched between my 50 f1.4 and my 28.2. Yep, exactly. So two very wide aperture lenses. And the reason why I feel like of all things that people really need to invest in first is a really mm-hmm. good wide aperture lens. Uh, and yeah. it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, both of us, we use film lenses. Uh, my little uh, Sigma 30 f1.4 for my Sig- uh, my Sony a7, or not a7, uh, my a6400. Um, mm-hmm. It's very small, but it's very, it's almost crucial because you get such a separation between you and your subject and the background to it like just watching yours Mm -hmm. and you know watching some of the other people in our classes uh there's definitely a difference when you look at someone who uses a phone which doesn't really have a wide aperture because even though like the lenses on the the camera uh or like when they say oh this camera on our phone now has an f28 lens because it's Mm -hmm. only a which I learned a lot about sensor size and how it equates out this week. Um, yeah. That sensor size compared to the F2.8 actually almost is the equivalent of an F13. So, yeah. which is why you get such, uh, you get no depth of field really with phones. Right. And, right. you know, if that's what you have, then that's what you have. But having a lens where you can get to that wider aperture, that makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Yep. Um, and like Dylan was saying, we uh, didn't really spend too much money on our lenses. I mean, I didn't spend any. These are just uh, old film lenses that I got from uh, my grandparents-in-law, right? You just happen to have um, uh, these lenses lying around with some film cameras and... Um, uh, oh, wow. Just totally derailed my train of thought right there. But uh, I, I believe I looked them up on like eBay and you can find them for around uh, 60 to 100 bucks. Um, those lenses I was using. And that's a good deal on lenses, um, especially for lenses that I found are full metal. You know, they're still working to this day, still look really nice. They're not incredibly sharp. They're a little soft, but I'm really kind of digging the look of them the more I use them. Right. Um, and I mean, if you compare that to like Canon's cheapest fast lens. I think it's their 50 millimeter and F 1.8. Um, and that goes for nearly 200 bucks. Yeah. You know? And so vintage lenses, um, you can get some really nice results uh, just by going a little older or by a little, I mean a lot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. But, you know, this kind of leads us into like our, our learning portion of the day. Um, we kind of, we kind of have two for the day just with our beginning intro, but this kind of yeah. comes into what makes a video and really what makes it is story. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing like with like a title of a movie, like say you get a movie like star Wars. Okay. What is star Wars? Well, you know, at mm-hmm. first off, it sounds like a war in the stars, but if <laughs> say you only had it sh- on on land and there was maybe a little conflict here and there, like they're only in like a boardroom, you wouldn't get a story from it. You have to get character development. You have to get 
to know some of your characters and also your story has to coincide with what you're doing so like your your title for yours was the artist and so mm-hmm. obviously you needed to show us who the artist is and you also showed us who like what what this artist is doing which was painting which is you know what you'd mm-hmm. expect so you are you automatically know who this person is and so kind of going into this learning thing you know we know the basic elements to a story you know you get your your opening your exposition i'm pretty i'm not you know i try i i kind of have a little tough time pronouncing things but exposition of what what you're trying to say you get your Mm -hmm. rising action or your your time where you're learning about what what you're supposed to be studying or understanding from a character you get your climax and you get, you know, your, your following action uh, resolution. So that's the basics of story of a story. But how does that, how do you translate that into a video? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of broke it down. I've been all over the place in studying topics for what makes a story in video. And for you, Ben, what, when you're thinking of story, and, you know, this can go back to your, your witch hunt that we're going to be working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did, how did you come up or get the inspiration for this witch hunt idea to get your story? Um, well, inspiration idea was like this whole brainstorming process mm-hmm. that we, we may talk about another day. Um, but for me, story is about progress. Mm-hmm right? Um, it's about the travel from point A to point B. Right. Right. So um, you see someone in point A, cool. You see someone in point B, cool, right? The interesting stuff is what happens between point A and point B. And hopefully point B is satisfying, right? right? Uh, that, that kind of conclusion of, of their journey. Uh, so for example, with my video, um, it was quite literally the progression of someone painting, right? Now, I wish if I had more time, right, and time allowing, I would have showed a more completed version of her painting, right? But due to the time constraints, that just wasn't possible, right? So, so what I tried to do instead is I showed, um, you know, kind of like an establishing shot of her at her desk, um, getting the paintbrush wet, um, you know, Get, gathering paint, testing the paint, then actually painting, right? Very basic. It's literally just a progre- progression of events, right? But in a way, um, you know, that that's what a story is, is a progression of events. And uh, for me, when, when it came to writing Witch Hunt, um, it was very, how are the character's choices influencing the progression of events? Right. Right. Um, because I don't want other. Uh, so in uh, writing, there's like passive characters and there's active characters. Right. Okay. And passive characters are the type of characters who the world happens to them. Right. Things happen. And because of that, like they're thrown around the place and the plot is. Um, and they're very kind of wishy-washy, just riding the current as the plot goes forward, right? Right. Active characters are people who are making the plot happen. Their choices are driving, um, 
their choices are driving the plot. They're driving the plot forward. So that's one thing I like to keep in mind is who is this character, right? Who, who are they fundamentally? How would that affect their choices? And how do those choices affect the story? Right. So those are kind of three things I like to think about when I'm writing. Yeah. And I mean, it, that kind of goes into the, the points that I've made, you know, like, you know, but the first thing I want when people are thinking about story you need to figure out what you want your story to be about. And so for like my video, send it. Um, I didn't really have an idea going into what I wanted to do. You know, he told us on the fly, we're, this is going to be an extra credit, you know, assignment. We're going to quickly do this. So I'm like, what do I do? And I got inspiration from being on Facebook. Uh, and it was one of those posts where it's like, don't respond to a text if you get a message from so-and-so. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I could make a story from that. And so right. what I needed for that, you know, what is the story about? Don't don't respond to a text. Or, you know, or do respond to it at this point. You just say, what if the person really did die? Uh, right. But so what – and also what is that – what is needed to make that story happen so, you know, do you need props? Do you need locations? Do you need actors? So that is, that's how you start the story. Um, and then I feel like from that, you can kind of shape, you know, what the story is going to be, you know, from how your actors are, your props are, how all these things are going to correlate. But I feel like there's only two, two other things you really need to make a story. So the second thing, mm -hmm. what is the end result of your story? Um, right. what are you wanting people to get out? You know, for you, it was someone seeing, you know, your artist or your wife paint, you know, that is what you want to see. You wanted them to see that progression. And so when you're thinking about your story, you need to say, okay, this is what I want. How do I get to the end of my story? Like you think of Roger Deakins. Okay. He directed mm -hmm. 1917. Um, it's one, it was the cinema, it won best cinematography of 2019, phenomenal movie right. and listening to an interview from him they knew that you had these characters these two boys and at the end of it you knew that they got the message uh to the right. if, if any i don't want to spoil people who haven't seen 1917 but if you haven't i really recommend you go watch it because it is a phenomenal movie roger deakins did an incredible job as the dp for this um but the story of the the opening, the the rising events, you know, the rising action, the climax, the falling action, and the resolution. He he knew how he wanted to end, and so everything from the story between those two points, they had to to say. So you have to really figure out what you need to make that story happen. So you you mm -hmm. need to know what the end result of your story is and how that's going to happen. So can I actually, I'm actually going to disagree with you. Okay. Right okay. There. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I was writing Witch Hunt, um, I had a concept. Okay. Right. And I didn't know necessarily where it was going to go. Um, and I brainstormed, right? I, I gathered a whole bunch of images, um, uh, basically kind of creating a lookbook for myself and, and, uh, which helped inspire me on like plot points and all, all these different little things that um, as I kind of brainstormed and 
gathered images from other things that I liked, um, it, it really be be uh, kind of took form, right? Right. And I, I knew like where it started. I knew in the general direction it wanted to go, but I didn't know necessarily where it was going to end up. Okay. Right. right. And for me, that's where, again, like these kind of active characters come into play, mm -hmm. right? Is how, how is their personality and their character, how is that affecting where they are going, what they are doing, right? Um, and as those events transpire, right, sometimes their character kind of changes a little bit and they learn things and they grow. Okay. And that growth of the, um, and it's from, and, and this is just one way to write. Right. Right. There, there's not, there's not a set in stone technique, but what I noticed and what I really liked is I, when writing, I kind of went on this journey with them. Um, or I guess I did sort of, I, I did sort of develop a, this is where I want them all to end up. Right. Right. Okay. But I didn't necessarily have the details of it. Right. Right. I didn't have the, who are these characters at the end? Right. Okay. Like, what have they learned? What, what, where do they arrive at as people? Right. And it, it was through actually writing and having them make these decisions that I was able to come to a kind of conclusion of this is where they arrive at as people. Right. right. This is who they are at the beginning and this is who they are at the end. Okay. And sometimes, uh, sometimes, you know, you can have a clear idea of, of that from the beginning. Um, but I don't think it's a bad idea or I don't think it's bad necessarily to not have that. No. And I actually, so this brings up an interesting point for me to ask you a couple questions because you have, you know, you oh. told me that you've worked on a music, you, you made your own musical basically when you were younger. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, like I've, <laughs> You know, I think you bring up a very fair point of that you've kind of gone on this story. And I think also along because you have a different writing style than possibly someone else, you know, thinking back to the Duff brother, I think Duff brothers, uh, the, the creators of Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they when they were talking, about, especially about going into season two, they talked about how they knew that the end of the season was going to end up in the winter ball. And they mm -hmm. just added a couple, they, they, you know, they made the details. So my question is, as you were, because I don't, you know, you kind of developed your story as you went through mm -hmm. as you were, because you kind of, from you explaining what you wanted to accomplish in your thing, as you're writing that, did you realize that something needed to change for something else to happen did like oh as you were going through yeah. like i mean it's kind of like life i guess when you're writing you're like oh well now that this has happened this would have spurred on possibly this different event which would have created a different outcome mm -hmm. so uh yes that absolutely happened uh so without going into too much detail there is kind of this military-ish character um who becomes acquainted with our kind of like magical wizards and um there was supposed to be a betrayal right? right um and as i kind of fleshed out this character 
I came to realize, well, this betrayal that I have, I have it set as a story point, but it doesn't really make sense for who this is. Okay. Right? Um, and so I, I kind of, I, I shifted it, right? Where the end result was kind of the same, right? They got put into this bad situation, um, uh, this bad situation where they were interacting with this kind of bad dude. And, um, so, so kind of that part was the same, like them getting to this bad dude, but the motivation of getting them there was different. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Uh, does that kind of make sense with no. me kind of going into too much no, detail? No, I think, I think it makes plenty of sense. Like you, you had okay. to kind of adapt. You kind of had to change your story to one, continue to show progression and two mm -hmm. get to once again, another end result, you know, right. for how you, right. how and you have like, yeah, how you want your season to end basically. Yeah. And, and to kind of have that journey make sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah, makes total um, sense. Cause otherwise, otherwise it would have been people, um, you know, like trying to climb up a mountain in a boat right it's like sure they got it from point a to b right but how, how do they do that like that that doesn't make any yeah. sense <laughs> it's kind like, of counterintuitive that, why you have a boat where a boat goes yeah yeah so um yeah for for me kind of like character motivations uh are, are very kind of important and i i if anything changes it's going to be ch changed not because i want something cool but more of like what's What's the character's motivations? Why are they acting like this? And how does that affect the world around them? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But at the end of it, you all still came back to your final story. And you, right. you have your story. That that you've basically from you you had your story and then what's your end result? You have you found your end result. You know, well, you know, I'd start at the the back it, and then work backwards you know yours yours makes perfect sense as well because you're developing your show it's almost like a life progression so this mm -hmm. also goes to show people like there's not one way to say you can make a story there's not one way you can do this because i mean everyone's creatively indifferent like or creatively indifferent or complete i don't know what i'm trying to say they're creatively different <laughs> um yeah they everyone does things in their own way but i think one thing as well as and this is my last thing of uh, my step three. What do you want your audience to feel? Um, yes. If you're trying to make, you know, like my my story, I wanted it to be a comedic relief. I wanted it to be kind of funny. And so mm -hmm. if I still left it off as a, a horror, you know, it, it wouldn't be the right thing that I wanted. Also, it would make people leave like, wait, was it? was he really dying or like I had to cut the music at a certain point, you know, mm -hmm. I had to motivate saying, Oh no, it, it was just him overthinking what was going on, you know? Yeah. So I had to let people know what the story was, how, how I want them to feel. I had to force that emotion on them in a way just because mm -hmm. if not, it wouldn't have made sense to them. Right. And so I feel like, you know, with these, you know, what does your story want to be? How are you going to make your story and how do you want your audience to feel those three things? That's, what's going to create a good story. Yeah. And you know, 
are there a lot of point A's to point B's? And are there little point A, point one, point A, point two, point A, point three to get to eventually B and hopefully eventually Z when you finish? Um, mm-hmm. You know, story, 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 story. You need to figure out your story and how you want that story to be told and how you want your audience to feel. Yeah. No, I, I really like what you're saying about like, how do you want the audience to feel? Um, because I mean, that's just, you know, important to any genre, right? right? Action. You want someone to feel thrilled horror. You want them to feel scared or tense, right? right. Um, romance, uh, I guess sympathy, right. Or kind of like kind of lawning, right. Yeah. You kind of want to have an empathy, uh, going on with romance and you know how how do you make uh people feel that uh i think one is kind of uh like, like i said with the romance kind of empathy right? right so you with your story um you wanted your uh character to feel scared right yep. and then relief yes right yes um and how did you accomplish that you know you had your character feel scared, right? right? You portrayed your character being scared, but you also kind of emphasize that in uh, in the music, in kind of the way you angled the shot at your face, kind of looking up at you uh, um, and just kind of making you feel a little claustrophobic. At least that's what I took from yep, it. Yep, exactly. Um, but so many different things to uh, how making the audience feel um again i'm just gonna go to go to characters right if your character isn't feeling it um or well i guess uh, do do you need a character because i'm trying to think of like those videos that you know make you feel sad about (coughs) or or like pixar for example that just makes you feel sad about whatever thing they want you to feel sad about this week like whether it's a fish or a toy or anything like that right but i guess those are still characters um you still you're still you still need to get to that result you know you want someone leaving your film in the way that you want them to feel because if you're like if you're thinking that you know home alone is a horror movie i don't think home home alone you know like while there is like oh wow they're breaking in ah so scary but the music made it be a comedy. The the action, the way mm-hmm. the characters reacted, all those things can pile together. That makes your story flow, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen those videos? Which is like um, they re-edit movie clips to be different genres. Yes, uh, it's called a a rebus. I I don't know. I I, but... I know exactly what you're talking about. They did that with they did one on The Shining. They they uh-huh. made it like oh it's a, a fun family getaway and whatnot but you know that you know the shining <laughs> is not a fun family getaway right right um yeah so it j- j- oh I put my mouse in the middle of the screen again um it, all that context it, it really helps uh kind of drive that emotion home to the audience so yeah no no I agree but our learning section really today or for this week, everyone is storytelling and how you do it. You know, that that's kind of up to you, 
But I feel like at the end of your story, you need to establish how do I want the audience to feel? If you want someone to walk away and feel sad when they're supposed to be feeling happy, I don't think you told your story right. Right. And so really work on these details, work on the small things that will lead up to this big payout, which is the audience feeling something that that that's yeah. why you create something you know if i'm a wedding photographer um if i'm taking wedding photos and the couple looks like they hate each other i didn't tell the story right right and so yeah but no the storytelling it's the most important aspect and i feel like if anyone can master this as soon as possible they're immediately it doesn't matter what gear what lighting what anything you have if you can master mm -hmm. storytelling you will go farther than anyone else. Right. I mean, because there are aspects of storytelling within lighting, within like the cinematography, right? right. Um, like you're saying, how do you want the audience to feel? Lighting and the positioning of the camera, all of that can, <gasps> excuse me, hiccups. All of that can affect how the audience feels in that moment. Um, I'm trying to think for like, you know, you've got a regular overcast day, uh, nice, um, nice, even lighting on the face, you know, okay. But if you see maybe more harsh shadows on the day, it's really bright. You might get a sense of exhaustion, right? Especially if they're like alone in a desert or, um, you know, that kind of under light, uh, that you see a lot of like horror movies do yeah. will give a sense of menacing. And so no matter what you're doing, um, in some way you want to serve the story, right? In some way you want to see how you're making the audience feel. So yeah, no sto story. It's, it's important for everyone, no matter what part of the team you are. Yeah, no, 100%. But awesome. Now on to some photo or not photo oh, why do i keep saying that it's video news welcome to video news for the week everyone <laughs> now this video news there's a few things i want to talk about because this week we're talking about a few more expensive things okay this is like while we are budget you know budget student budget any person i feel like some of the things that we're going to talk about especially one of them it's kind of crazy how it still is budget. Um, and that's the light, the, the light that we're going to talk about. But, mm -hmm. you know, compared to what we'll usually talk about, this is probably going to be one of our more expensive sections. But the reason why I feel like it's important to also talk about these a little bit more expensive things from a budget perspective is that... I feel like the industries are starting to really focus on ways that we can get these more expensive products into less expensive hands, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I think that these are really cool things to talk about, especially for the fact that um, it brings up some interesting points. It brings up new ideas and this is how the industry grows you know think of your mm -hmm. your phone camera how right 10 years ago you'd take a photo of your kids at disneyland and you'd go to show that photo to someone and you're like i think that sally you know 
compared to now, <laughs> yeah. you know, you you can zoom in on Sally's face and you can see almost all the details and it's still a phone. Right. So, you know, these these products that we're going to talk about for the week in video news, uh, I think they're kind of interesting, kind of cool. So the first one, uh, we're going to talk about the the newest Aperture 600D. Okay, this is a video light. It's a large chip LED continuous light source. And it's really cool because it is 600 lumens, which is a lot. You know, right now I am currently using my Godox VL150. So it's 150 lumens. And I can crank mm-hmm. this thing up and it gets mad bright. Like if I was to crank it up to 100% right now, like you wouldn't be able to see my face. Right. But 600 lumens is like... I'm at 1% right now and I'm lit up. If yep. I was at 1% on that thing, 1% of 600 lumens is boom. It's going to blow you out of the water. Like yeah. compared to my, like I think I said when I first got my video light, 60% on this light is a hundred, a hundred percent on the, uh, aperture 120 D. Right. So you have to think about it in that aspect. Now the price of this is, basically $1,900, which people are like, whoa, that's a lot. That isn't really a budget, especially as a light compared to my $350 light. Right. However, which even then to a lot of people is still not very budget. Exactly. Exactly. But here's something that I feel like Aperture really hit on. So this is comparable in out like lumen luminance output. Okay. To a, camera light with a 1200 watt hd hmi output so lights like this would be the re compact uh which goes for eighty four hundred dollars uh, you got the mole richardson molepar which goes for just over nine thousand dollars or you get like the industry standard the re true blue which is a thirteen thousand dollar light okay now when thinking about this okay keep this in mind this is a 1200 watt light Mm -hmm. the aperture 600 is half the lumens but it has lighting comparable to these crazy thousands thousands of dollars light right um and and these are bare bone lights, you know, these expensive lights, these are bare bones. You're not getting any of the modifiers, you're not getting anything with it. You're just getting the mm-hmm. the light itself. Right. And you know, you can take this six hundred D and you can pack it into a bag. And the cool thing about it is it comes with its own case. It comes oh, nice. Yeah, and it's it's like a small suitcase too. It's not like a little shoulder bag because it is a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. a it's a wheel bag. Um, okay. other things that are cool with it, um, it has four dimming modes. It has a wireless controller range of almost 350 feet, which is crazy. It has eight built-in lighting effects, which include, uh, paparazzi. So imagine like a, a camera flash. It's mm-hmm. got something like fireworks. So, you know, have the, the bright flash and it kind of dims out. Uh, you got fault, faulty bulbs, so if you're walking down a hallway, you know, the you know, yeah. how you would envision those types of lights. You got TV pulsing, you got 
or you got TV, you got pulsing, so it kind of has a, that kind of back and forth effect. Uh, mm-hmm. You have strobe, which everyone knows what a strobe light is. Right. And then you have an explosion, so that bright flash and that... It's kind, of, it's kind of basically like firework, but probably a little... Yeah. Full brightness and probably a quicker fade than a, than a firework. Mm-hmm. So you're getting all of this. It also runs off of V-mount or gold mount, gold mount batteries... Uh, as well as a classic, you know, your 100 volt to 250 volt AC power option. But a cool thing about this as well is say you have these V mount batteries, you mm-hmm. can plug them in onto the back of the light source where you normally would. And then when you go inside and can plug it into an AC, like your wall, your, your wall, your wall outlet, you can actually charge these lights while being on the light or charge those batteries while being on the light. Oh, neat. Which I don't know of too many lights that have that ability. Right. Uh, also, it came out with a new softbox, which is their uh, their aperture lantern ball, basically. It goes on top of it. And it, mm-hmm. it's a gr- from what I've heard, it's great if you're trying to light up an entire room with soft, even lighting. Wow. So, I mean, I feel like this is a big step towards aperture wanting to get more budget options for higher price mm-hmm. lights because this is designed right. to be those lights that uh, you can take on a set at night and make it become daytime for mm-hmm. sub uh, $2,000. Right. So, yeah, I, I think it's a very great option for lighting in a, in a budget uh, mm-hmm. Because we talked a little bit about this before, you could get four of these lights to light up an entire major big studio setup, and that would still be almost less than just one of, like the the cheapest the Ari Compact. Yeah. So it's a big it's yeah a, absolutely it's a big stepping stone. Yeah, I, I think some of the best technological best technological advancements say that 10 times fast um but some of the best technological advancements come from pursuing efficiency right right um and you know in a world where time is money right how efficient can you make a process right um and i think that's why we see a lot of uh a lot of um these kind of crews becoming smaller Right. As you know, um, back in the day when you were still using film in a camera, you had I, I don't know how many people um, were on it, but you had one person to crank the film. Right. Mm-hmm. One person to watch the film and watch the output. One person was pulling focus, um, you know, all to run one camera. Right. Right. And now we have a camera in our phone, which, you know, we just press a button point and shoot correct you know and as these things kind of become more efficient um they're becoming more available it's uh you know two grand isn't exactly the most available to most people right but it is a step in the right direction where for someone who maybe owns a um a uh I, i don't know like a corporate video uh, marketing, uh, 
business or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. This could be a very good uh, purchase for them where instead of having to invest 13 grand in a light, they're only investing two grand. And that is a lot more reasonable, but it's also going to give them a lot more power than only spending like 300 bucks like you did. Right, right. You know what I mean? So it's, um, it's making more tools available to more people at different levels. And I, I, I'm all for it. Uh, yeah, I think it's awesome. Well, the one thing that I just thought about is like rental houses because, you know, people mm -hmm. who are wanting to rent gear because renting is a very feasible option for a lot of people because you can get a camera, you can get a stabilizer, you get a tripod, you get a few lenses and you could rent out a camera and all this stuff for maybe a hundred dollars a day. Okay. Right. Which is awesome. Now, if you wanted to get a big light for a setup like that, I was looking and just for renting out one of these bigger lights, you're looking at for this light alone, $250 a day. Ooh, right. Dang. And so imagine you need two of these lights or three of these lights. That's going right. to add up really fast. So thinking of like rental companies, they're going to pick up probably, I, I don't think we're going to see these lights on the market probably for eight months. Uh, okay. for the average person just to go out and buy, like it's going to be out of stock yeah. just for the fact that all these rental places are going to pre-order two or three of them right off the hand, right yeah. off hand, because this is, this is a great, this is a great buy. And then also for the fact that they could possibly, because it's so much cheaper, they could maybe put one of these lights at maybe a hundred and twenty dollars a day. And you could get mm -hmm. two of these lights and still be less than what one of these major big lights are. Right. So I think it's a great step in lighting. Yeah. And that comes, you know, with a little bit of assurance to the rental business too. Mm -hmm. Right. Where, um, I don't, I don't think I could ever run a rental business just of the stress of like having to buy and own expensive gear mm -hmm. and just trusting that someone's going to return it in one piece. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, the, the difference between renting out something that's 13,000 and something that's 2000, that, that's a big load of stress off my heart, you know? Now, of as of right now, if I was renting off something or like renting or lending something that was $2,000, heck no, I, I wouldn't dream of it at this moment. Yeah, you know, me Because uh, there is a, you know, there's liability where, how do you replace that if that's, you know, broken, you know? So, um, yeah, these, this kind of move towards cheaper gear that's just as powerful and just as good. Um, it helps save a lot of, uh, weary hearts. Yeah. 100%. Now jumping into our next thing for gear that's kind of come out this week. Um, and also just to uh, clarify people for like, the video news if there's ever something that changes like different word licensing things this will be covered in the sections well we're not just going to talk about gear um mm -hmm. but just so that people are aware that there really wasn't anything that was big or major that happened in new laws or other stuff because I, right. I do i mean we're both hoping to make more of a a living out of this you know we have to be aware of these things as well and so we want you guys to be aware as as well 
So yeah, yeah. But you know, gear is just kind of like the easiest thing to see what's new. Yeah, exactly. Because new gear comes out all the time. So the, I feel like this is gonna you're gonna see a lot of gear in these sections. But if there is some weird uh, law that comes out, or if there's a really cool story about someone catching something on film or video, or mm. you know, we're go- we're gonna talk about it. It could be a new documentary about what we feel about it, and we probably will do about some of those in the future. Uh, like our opinions right. on it. Well, one thing I'm kind of looking forward to is uh, Monster Hunter comes out in theaters this Friday. And ever since I have seen the trailers for those, I've been absolutely enthralled. I mean, the monster effects look great. Uh, I mean, they look full CG, but they look really good. And I don't know. I think it's based off of this game where you basically collect like dragon teeth and turn them into giant magic swords to slay dinosaurs okay (laughs) just random totally over the top comes out this friday not gonna be able to see it but man does it look cool right right so like you know when maybe things when things open up we can do movie reviews or something like that but uh yeah no uh, that's just something i'm excited well it'll also be interesting to talk about as well for the fact of you know you are learning cgi yeah. And so I would love to get your your opinion on about wow, I you know watching the way it moves its you know this monster moved its legs or because you're doing some amazing things right now that you know a week ago you were doing something and the entire body would basically move. But well it it, it was a week ago everything was isolated, right? Right. Um, right. So with the way I animated it was very kind of like robotic, one joint would move at a time. And just, you know, by watching YouTube tutorials, I was able to kind of link those bones and have it more um, fluid in the movement where I could, like, grab its hand and it would move the entire arm. Right. Basically. And so, like, you're hyping me up, man, and I appreciate it, but I've got a lot to <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, you, you're definitely doing better than me, but just watching it, and that's how, like, I viewed it. You know, you're mm-hmm. going to watch these films and you're going to be like, oh, wow, that that was crazy like that was right and so you know you've you've got more of an understanding than what i do right and so but no it'd be interesting to see what your your take on some of these cgi effects are for people yeah yeah but but anyway so our next thing um this is a little bit of an expensive hybrid camera okay and when i say hybrid camera these are cameras that are typically used for both photo and video um, we're seeing a lot of these in, in the industry right now. We're seeing a lot of people wanting to have great video and great photo capabilities because everyone's traveling, or at least they were before COVID hit. Um, mm-hmm. But people were wanting good quality things. And so hybrid was a great way to do that. You don't need you know, your old little camcorder, and then you also need a little camera. You're, you're getting both. And a lot of cameras are doing both really well. Like That's one of the reasons why I bought my, my Sony a7 III. Because it was a great mm. photo camera and a really good video camera. Is it everything that I'd need or what I'm wanting now in a video camera? Not quite. But, right. you know, I can always improve. I can always, you know, I can always wait to upgrade. But this is a great camera yeah. that will carry me for a few years. And I don't know if I'll ever really sell my Sony a7 III. Even for the fact that it's such a, a phenomenal workhorse. Right. So... But, you know, this is what I'm talking about when I say a hybrid camera, both a camera for photo and video. Now, mm-hmm. Leica 
is a brand that when someone says Leica, they immediately think of a doctor camera. They think of these very expensive cameras that really they do well in one area and not as well in another. But Leica, I've never really looked into a much. And mm-hmm. recently announced this week was the Leica SL2S. Okay, because it is a smaller uh, sensor compared to its big brother, the Leica SL2. Not to confuse right. it with the Canon SL2, uh, which is not even on the same price range, you know, compared right. to these two cameras. SL2 runs for uh, about $600 when it was brand new. Now it's a discontinued camera, so you could probably find it cheaper. Mm-hmm. But this SL2S runs for... Four thousand eight hundred and ninety-five dollars. Oh man! I know it makes it makes me cringe, you know, like because you know it is such an expensive camera, and even though it is a hybrid camera, it really like we'll we're talking about some of the specs right here. You know, it has which is awesome, uh, 4K 10-bit video at 4K 60 frames a second, or uh, it has 180 frames a second slow motion at uh, 1080p. Um, mm-hmm. This is great. These are very common standards, and I feel like we're going to see a lot more of this style of frame rate become an industry standard over the next few years. Right. Um, it has IBIS, or in-body image stabilization. So if you're trying to get handheld shots, it does really well with smoothing those out. Uh, it has no record limit, so if you're trying to do interview style of shooting, uh, you can just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, it also has a headphone jack. So you can monitor your audio going into the camera and what you'd expect it when it comes out. And then it also has a full frame sensor. It's a 24 megapixel full frame sensor. Um, now, this camera, like I said, it has a big brother. It has the SL2 that had a 5K uh, recording on it. You know, instead of 4K, it's mm-hmm. 5K, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but the weird thing is that it's actually about, <laughs> it, it, it's $14 cheaper than the FX six that we announced from Sony two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Right. And that is a cinema camera. Okay. It is designed mm-hmm. to be a cinema dock camera, uh, or a B camera, depending if you're using the Sony Venice or the, the Sony FX nine. Um, mm-hmm. But this camera, it's literally the size of my Sony a7 III, and it's $10 cheaper than the FX6. And I'm still talking about the, the SL2 right now. Right. Now, the problem for me is that, and I don't, I mean, you're probably going to think the same thing, Ben, is that this is a very expensive hybrid camera when we're looking at the Sony a7S Mark III, which runs for 34 basically $3,500. Yeah. Um, which has 4K at 120 frames a second. Uh, it has 240 frames a second slow motion, uh, in you know 1080p. Um, and that is $1,500 cheaper basically than the SL2S. Yeah. Um, then we also get the Panasonic S1H, which brand new, body only, which it's all of this is body only is four thousand dollars so we're still looking about a eight hundred dollar difference um and then you know this the 
the Panasonic S1H. This is a Netflix approved camera. It basically shoots at 6K. Uh, I can do raw output. Um, and then, you know, that that's a very, very, I mean, it's got a built in fan. It's like a PC to keep it cooling. Right. So you can use it on sets for a long period of time. Um, all these cameras are also full frame. Keep this in mind. You know, we're not really talking about, yeah. you know, black magic with like the mirrorless cameras, uh, or even, you know, we got the FX five, you know, that's a super 35 sensor. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about full frame cameras that are very, that are more easy accessible and especially the Panasonic, uh, S five. Okay. This is a $2,000 mm -hmm. camera that if personally, if I didn't have my Sony camera two years ago, I personally probably would have gotten the S five. Right. Because it has two UHS two card slots. It does, uh, 4k at 60 frames a second. Same as the, uh, Leica SL two. Mm -hmm. Um, it also has the 1080p at 180 frames a second. Uh, it has the raw output at 5k. So basically what the, the Panasonic S1H can do, um, and it's a full frame sensor. So all of these things combined, it, you could buy basically three and a half of the S fives for one of these Leica SL2 S's. Right. And, right. you know, for Ben, like, listening to all these things, like, why do you feel that, you know, a camera like that? I mean, um, for me, I know that this camera doesn't seem worth it. But to you, after listening to all these other cameras, why do you feel like a camera like this would still be relevant? Um, I think one thing is just branding right right yeah and uh this is something i've kind of you know a lot of uh people who are apple fans fall into um is it doesn't matter what it is who's doing it first um you know because wireless charging was around for a while before apple and the iphone picked it up right Correct. yeah um so th there is there's a bit of like brand loyalty that comes to it. Uh, I, I would think. And for those who like have the money, uh, to spend on one of those, like a cameras, it can also be like a, Hey, you know, I've, I've got to like a camera. So, so I think there's a little bit of that. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know enough about the Leica cameras to really kind of pass a judgment on them right that's fair you know um i mean it sounds to me like if someone was to buy this camera they would not be disappointed in that purchase right right they would get they would get a functional camera that did what it was supposed to do um and like i said i i don't know enough about leica to pass a judgment on them as a company or uh or their products but it just seems to me um that this kind of hybrid camera approach they're they're not really committing to anything right right and because of that you, you get this kind of like jumble of features at a higher price whereas um you know the fx6 committed to being a video camera 
and it's only what do you say like 15 bucks more expensive than the sl2 yeah yeah so, exactly so um i don't know that's kind of my thoughts on it uh i'd, I'd have to look into it a little bit more but yeah. I, I think i think actually that's a very fair point it is it is kind of a brand loyalty thing like you think of you know talking to our teacher he swears by by mac you know, mm-hmm. and while there are some great things, especially, you know, if two weeks we talked about the the Mac Mini, you know, that sounds mm-hmm. like a very great option, uh, especially if you're trying to build out. But, you know, like your computer that you have, you have your entire setup for basically the same price. And while maybe a uh, li- little more, but yeah, right. Well, by, by the time it's all said and done, you just because you know you still have to buy the monitor you still have to buy the keyboard you still have to buy all those things for the mac mini you'd right. you'd be relatively close in price yeah um but you know i think you're right on the mark of a brand thing and would this camera be something that i'd be interested in using yes and no um yeah. just for the fact of you know it is a small compact camera it sounds like it has decent in-body image stabilization for if you're trying to do run-and-gun work. But mm-hmm. that price tag, it pushes out of the fact of, is this still budget? Because it's not. Right. Like, you're not... Yeah, it's doing the exact opposite of what that light is doing. Yeah. Right? Instead of bringing features uh, from the high end down to the low end, it's just kind of pushing features that... I mean, these aren't low-end cameras, but kind of cheaper cameras, and they're pushing those features and just bumping up the price. Right. Yep. No, I I totally agree because, you know... Oh, sorry. I just kind of slipped down just a little bit. I just checked myself. <laughs> um, but no, I, I totally 100% agree for the fact of, you know, you don't... You don't see a price to performance difference. Like if you got some amazing features and functions, sure, I would have no problem dropping some money on this camera. But when right. you're getting cameras that are a fifth the price, like the S5, it it makes it can it makes it unreasonable. Yeah. And, absolutely. And so, you know, well, I think it's cool that Leica has done this and they've tried to make a S or, you know, budget version to their SL2. Um, I still feel like it was missing the mark. If they've dropped it down to maybe a price of the Sony a7S III, mm-hmm. you know, then you could say, okay, you know, it's really, really close there. Because Leica, does, they do make some really good products. I know that, you know, Leica right. makes great lenses. They, they've really outshone that category for a long time. But really, it isn't phenomenal. It isn't a camera that makes me say, oh, I need to drop cash on it when mm-hmm. I could get something that would fit more of my budget, especially like, you know, I am a so not like a Sony loyalist for the fact of like, oh, Sony's the best, but I've invested so much into Sony glass as well. Right. And so the price coming out of it is like, I'd have to, because the lenses from Leica, they're also expensive. Mm-hmm. I would be having to buy a crazy expensive setup when the price to performance output really didn't change. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's very like, who who is it for? Right. 
right? And that's just a big question mark for me because you've got your documentary filmmakers or like small business videographers who uh, might be going for the FX6, right? Right. Or, um, you know, someone uh, like us who are more kind of like handheld, run and gun, do both photography and videography, who uh, the A7S III would be more appealing to us. Right. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so, and so each of those cameras, they have an audience. And I just don't see the audience for the Leica. I, I just don't. Yeah. You, you are a doctor. That is why it's called a doctor camera. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's cool for the fact that it's there but you know just what you said it there isn't that reason for us to to look at it there isn't like right i you know looking at budget cinema cameras you know lately i've been looking at some of those and a company called z cam uh has kind of been coming onto the market lately yeah and it's a modular camera but it you know the the z cam e2 it's a two thousand dollar camera it has raw output uh has prores um it it's a modular camera it's small it weighs less than two pounds but people are calling it like the mini red and it's you know it's two thousand dollars um mm-hmm. that camera to me while you would start to you know rig it out just a little bit where you know you'd have to put on a monitor because it doesn't come with the monitor but a right. camera like that would be more beneficial for the fact of price because we are on a budget and yeah. two it is a functioning cinema camera yeah and so this can and if i'm trying to still be hybrid my sony a7 III and like i said a few weeks ago if i wanted a camera to one day be just um i primarily shot video with photo becoming secondary um mm-hmm. you know the sony uh, a7s3 that camera to me wouldn't make more of a difference but for me this camera would just not be worth it also it being so expensive i'd be so much more he- hesitant using it yeah so yeah and that also limits your um especially when switching brands that limits your ability to uh deck it out right right because do you need um do you need a new cage for that because you're a very like handheld guy yep um do you need uh, i guess monitors are kind of more universal there's some things that can transfer over but there's things like lenses that won't right like you said like it does really expensive lenses and so um it doesn't make that transfer very easy yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. but good job leica on the camera i think it's a great camera for those expensive people but for <laughs> us and probably a majority of people on this channel that are going to be listening to this probably doesn't fit us but i hope that you know like they make a budget camera with some of these specs because mm-hmm. that that could be an intro into maybe these higher end cameras because from the looks of the leica brand it seems like they do have good cameras but it's very very niche oriented so yeah and you know what it's possible uh i mean red they've got their red komodo that came out for six thousand dollars and um so so it is possible for kind of these more bougie brands to um 
come up with more affordable cameras. Um, so I, we'll just see. We'll see. I'll keep an eye on it. Right. Yep. I agree. I agree. But, you know, that is our our video news for the week, everyone. Um, do you have anything upcoming, Ben? I know you were talking about you have, like, a, a shoot that you're going to do. We already kind of talked about mine. Um, do you have any yep. anything's coming on or uh yeah it, it's just kind of like hard to schedule because um they live in jackson wyoming and i live in rexburg and for those of you not from the area how you get through uh get to jackson is through this place called teton pass and i hate teton pass and i hate it more when it snows and i drive a clown car so that's been uh a little bit of a hassle to um, kind of schedule this, uh, photography shoot for one of my friends who's engaged. Um, but hopefully eventually we'll figure something out. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, for upcoming projects, um, I found this app, right. And I can't remember if I've talked with you about it, Yeah. but it's called cam track AR mm -hmm. and it's for iOS. And luckily my wife had a, uh, had her old little like iPhone six lying around. And so I've kind of commandeered it and started using this app. And what it does is it motion tracks footage as you are recording. Right. Right. And so what you can do is then it creates a uh, data file, which you can then import into blender, Adobe premiere, hit film, wh whatever you want. And it creates a 3d camera for you based on that movement. Right. And I want to kind of experiment with that a little bit and see how far can I push this? How far can, um, uh, how far can I make this like little iPhone track? Um, how can, how can I use that to benefit myself? Right. Right. Um, and the big thing that kind of comes to mind is as we were talking about earlier, iPhones have those really kind of small sensors right? That don't give them a lot of depth of field. Uh, they have, they usually shoot at a very, um, it would be a fast shutter speed where there's not a lot of motion blur when there's a lot of light. And these are all things that are very conducive to getting a good track. Right. 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 So can you, so what I, I'm going to try and see within the next, uh, couple of weeks, maybe a month, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, is can I rig this phone onto the top of my camera and get a nice image like, you know, with good motion blur, good depth of field out of my, uh, little Sony a 6,000 while getting a camera track, uh, from the iPhone, move them in the, you know, move them the same way, have them rigged. So, you know, uh, they're connected. And can I basically make a, can I take a image that would otherwise be untrackable and you know throw vfx into it and that's my goal i want to find out um it's going to be a little bit of a hectic project but uh uh i'm gonna tackle it as soon as school's over well dude i from what you showed me and i watched the video on it it seems like a really cool feasible project that could open up a new world like thinking of motion track for everyone who's listening think of the new uh, mandalorian series 
You know, they use a lot of things like this. And and typically in most CGI movies nowadays, you know, they need motion yeah. track. And so, no, I'm excited to see for the fact of, you know, it is, it's an old phone put on a camera that you can use and hopefully render out to make a very workable image. Right. And I don't know if this works, it could be very helpful with witch hunt. Right. Right. And shooting there, uh, because you know, we're going to be shooting out in the sand dunes a lot. Um, might not be a lot of, uh, very trackable points. Uh, the more I think about it. And one of the things we want to do is add, um, these environments, these CG environments, um, just to kind of, they just, just add something. And if this makes it easier, awesome. If not, there's still the hard way to go, but I would love if it made it easier. 100%. I totally agree. But, yep, yeah, you know, projects for me, nothing crazy. Um, I want to, I'm starting to look at people I can reach out to to get interviews with uh, for upcoming episodes. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, besides that, I my week this week will be going to Arizona. I'll make a small little itty bitty, maybe like two minute long video, but you know, something just that people can have. And hopefully it would boost my, my abilities, uh, and mm -hmm. also help give me more exposure and just continue to practice and grow. Yeah. So yeah, well, best of luck to you on that, man. Thank you so much, dude. And best of luck to you on this project. And like always, we will be working together. If either of us have any problems, we'll talk, we'll vent to each other. Um, yeah. yeah, we will. You know, this is, you know, that's kind of, you know, at people, you don't understand, you know, Ben and I, we've grown, become pretty good friends over this past three months, basically. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we we continue to look forward to upcoming projects with the two of us together. And definitely I appreciate all the support that Ben gives me. And you know, I, I oh, hope you're too, you're too, you're too flattering. No, well, I mean, and I, I hope <laughs> I can return the favor, you know? So, right. Right. But no, thank you to everyone for listening to this week's episode. I hope you all got something out of this. Um, but no, this was a great episode so yeah we'll see you guys later have a great week everyone